Stanford University. The Clayman Institute for Gender Research at Stanford University. Reinvigorating gender equality in the 21st century. Years ago, when the first issue of Ms. hit newsstands across the country, a prominent network news anchor said, I'll give it six months before they run out of things to say. Gloria Steinem herself said, if you'd asked me in the beginning how long it would last, I would have probably said three or four years tops. Four decades later, it's still going strong and appealing to an audience of readers who now span three generations, like the audience in this room tonight. Look around you. As Gloria Steinem once said in a different context, this is what 40 looks like. <laughs> the success of that first issue was astounding. 300,000 copies sold out almost instantly. The cover was dominated by the image of a housewife as Hindu goddess, weeping as she multitasked with eight arms. Inside were articles not to be found elsewhere, articles in which women spoke with candor about abortions they had had or about how to avoid boxing children into gender stereotypes at an early age. There was also an article by Gloria Steinem on the women's movement. In that article, Steinem began by taking moments from her own life that now made her wince and placing them center stage, such as when she would brag that a male editor had told her that she wrote like a man. She described how the ideas of the women's movement had led her to question many of her own previous attitudes and beliefs and noted that what had first struck her as purely personal discoveries soon became the basis for connecting with other women across barriers of age, economics, worldly experience, race, and culture, a phenomenon she witnessed traveling as a feminist organizer. The article's graceful arc from person, the personal to the political was already a hallmark of Steinem's writing by the time Ms. was launched. Histories of the new journalism that celebrate Tom Wolfe and Hunter Thompson usually fail to give Steinem the central place that she deserves in that genealogy. She earned that place with her classic 1963 article, I Was a Playboy Bunny. I would argue that her memorable feminist journey into the belly of a sexist institution had greater impact on our society than Wolfe's excursion into the world of custom car shows or Thompson's ride with Hell's Angels. As Steinem helped guide Ms. from a brainstorm to a reality, a str the strategy she used in her Playboy Club expose of letting the voices of real women unmask the euphemisms and lie lies that obscured the truth of their lives would be key. From the start, the magazine encouraged women to respect their own lived experience and to value the ways in which their personal experience of unequal treatment could help them recognize oppression or injustice wherever it occurred and mobilize to dismantle it. It gave voice to the sense of powerlessness and alienation that can link women across caste and class. It gave women isolated from centers of feminist organizing a sense that they weren't alone and served as an entry point into feminism for women who hadn't encountered feminist perspectives before. Steinem and Ms. both helped women recognize that their anger could be a useful catalyst for social change but the magazine was never for women alone. It was always about enlarging the canvas on which women and men could paint their lives. It enlarged that canvas by bringing into the open social, economic, and political conditions that demeaned both men and women, 
conditions that were obstacles to human flourishing, but that hadn't received mainstream media attention before. Ms. helped spark national conversations on sexual harassment, domestic violence, date rape, reproductive freedom, and gender apartheid, terms and topics that went unnamed or ignored in the mass media in the years before Ms. existed. Ms. brought feminist perspectives on politics, economics, advertising, and the media, health, aging, education, and the arts to a broad mainstream audience. It broke silences and taboos. It changed minds and helped change laws. Gloria Steinem's eloquent, outspoken contributions and inclusive vision were central to its success, modeling the kind of compassion and empathy necessary to forge common bonds in the face of all that divides us. She paid attention to the most disempowered women in the world, writing with Robin Morgan, for example, about the crime of genital mutilation in Africa. And she paid attention to the most privileged women in the world as well, in her pieces collected under the title, The Masculinization of Wealth, where she followed a trail blazed by Virginia Woolf in Three Guineas, who would dare to ask what might happen if women from wealthy families were able to direct their wealth to causes that matter to them, not just those that matter to their husbands. Her choice of the right word and not its second cousin made her prose sharp and compelling, prompting her at times to coin phrases that hadn't existed before but were desperately needed, like reproductive freedom. Her honesty with herself in her articles and books challenged us to be candid with ourselves and each other. Her willingness to acknowledge her own shortcomings encouraged us to admit ours. Her embrace of change and growth inspired us to change and grow too. And her sense of humor reminded us of the silliness of so much of the status quo. In Steinem's hands, humor became a weapon of mass instruction. Her satire, If Men Could Menstruate, is still one of the most concise and effective primers on arbitrary privilege ever written. Gloria Steinem's imagination allowed her to envision a future that wasn't mired in the impressive stupidities of the past. The magazine she did so much to create and sustain continues to inspire us to create a world in which each of us can flourish as a fully human being. A world, as Steinem once put it, in which everyone matters. Please join me in welcoming Gloria Steinem to Stanford. For more, please visit us at stanford.edu.